Welcome to Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. Thank you for joining us as we listen to another message from Pastor Daniel Shirley. Well, today I want to share something with you that's just been on my heart that uh, um, the Lord began to stir on the inside of me. And we're just going to title this message today, He Remembers. He Remembers. And we're going to talk about what God remembers and how that relates to you. And we're also going to touch on what God does not remember. But God remembers some things. And in fact, this passage of Scripture from Psalm 103 was going over in my heart that says, He remembers that we are dust. He remembers that we are dust. Now, there is a reason why the Lord told us that in His written word. Praise God. He wants you to be aware of the fact that he remembers that. Praise God. In fact, let's just, let's just say this together. Say, Father, I thank you for your word. Your word is spirit and life to me. I believe with all my heart that your word, sown in good ground, produces good fruit. Father, I am good ground for your word. I'm a doer of the word, not a hearer only. And I am blessed in my deeds. And I rejoice today, Father, because you sent the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to me today. So I call on you, Holy Spirit, to do your work in my life. I'll receive truth, act upon it, be changed by it, and I will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, how many believe that the Word of God is, it, that it, it is intended to change our lives? Praise God. If the Word of God is not changing your life, then, you know, either you're not receiving the real Word of God or you're, you're rebelling against it because the Word of God ought to change our life. Praise God. I don't care who you are or how long you've been serving the Lord or how long you, you know, how, how well you know the Bible, it ought to be changing your life. Praise God. And I can attest to the fact that, you know, I am uh, soon to turn 60 years old. And, uh, you know, I have, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> does, that, does that mean you're glad I'm older than you? or? <laughs> but uh, I'm soon to turn 60 years old. I have, uh, I have been in church my entire life. I've been a serious student of the Word of God. For most of my life, uh, and you know, probably for for forty of those sixty years, and uh, so uh, you know, and I've been pastoring now for twenty six years, and was in ministry uh, for over thirty years, and so, uh, but I'm finding that the Word of God is still changing my life. Praise God. I am finding that I am still learning things. I am still growing. I am still finding out things I didn't know. Praise God. And uh, so the Word of God is still changing my life, and it ought to be changing your life. If you can't point to something that's changed in your life in the last year, you know, maybe you need to go back and, and get into the Word a little bit more. 
Maybe you need to go back and look and see what God's saying a little bit more because Jesus said the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. See, they are alive. They will be changing you from the inside out, not from the outside in. Now, men try to change you from the outside in, but the Word of God changes you from the inside out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, in Psalm 103, verse number 6, says this, The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. How many want to just know, want to just see God's acts? Who wants to know his ways? You know, he made known his ways unto Moses. Children of Israel just saw what God did. But Moses knew his ways. Praise God. No, Moses went beyond just seeing his acts. And God wants to reveal his ways to you. Praise God. He wants, he wants you to know how he is. He wants you to know how he thinks. He wants you to know what he has done and why he did it and how he does things. And, you know, and, and God just wants to, to, he wants to be known by you. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious. Slow to anger. Aren't you glad he's not, as, as I was reading a book here uh, some time back, uh, th this person said, you know, too many people see God as hair trigger God. You know, that, uh, I, I know some people that are hair trigger people. You know, they, they, their, their anger just flashes all of a sudden and, and uh, you know, they go from zero to 60 in half a second. But uh, God is not hair-trigger God. He is slow to anger. Praise God. Slow to anger. In fact, you know, that, remember this is an Old Testament passage of Scripture. And in fact, if we were to look at it in the light of the New Testament, the New Covenant, we would find that God is not only slow to anger, God already poured out all of His anger. He poured it out on Jesus, and therefore he's not, have, he's not going to be pouring his anger out on you. Praise God. But he's not, even under the old covenant, he was not hair-trigger God. It's not his nature. It's not his character. Praise God. He has not dealt with us according to our sins. Aren't you glad about that? Because right now, I promise you, that if he had dealt with us according to our sins, every one of us would be dead right now. Because the wages of sin is death. I mean, that's what the Bible says. The wages, not one of the wages, but the wages of sin is death. So if the wages of sin is death, anybody ever sinned? Yeah, we all have. We all have. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So the wages of sin is death. And, and it says that God has not dealt with us 
according to our sins. Here's what he did. He dealt with Jesus according to your sins. Do you see that? Jesus hung on a cross, as we talked earlier, as you. He took your place there. He bore the punishment for your sins. The wages of sin was death. That could not be changed. Somebody had to die. Jesus stepped in and said, I'll do it. Praise God. So you don't have to. He has not dealt with us according to our sins. Nor punished us according to our iniquities. Nor punished us according to our iniquities. Anybody ever thought God was punishing you because you did something wrong? I got good news for you. He's not. Praise God. He's not. See, there's only one thing that he will punish you for, and that is a rejection of what Jesus did. And what, see, why is that? Because you have a power of choice, and if you say, Jesus, I reject what you did, what you are essentially saying is, I want to pay for this myself. And if you insist on paying for, the, for your sins yourself, he'll let you do that. You know, I can't imagine why anybody would want to. But he says that he has not punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. Now, let me just say this. Fear him doesn't mean you're afraid or you're scared of God. That's not what it means. When it says those who fear him, he's saying those who worship him. Those who worship him. Praise God. And then he says, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Now that passage right there, that verse, there is some powerful things in those two statements. He knows our frame. He remembers we are dust. Praise God. Some very powerful things that we need to grab a hold of right here. You see, um, I actually skipped past verse 12, and I didn't intend to, so I'm going to go back and read verse 12, all right? Anybody ever, else ever do that? Okay. Well, you see, I look down, I'm reading, and then I get busy talking, and then I look down again, and I go to the wrong verse. But, but let's go back to verse 12. He says, For as, high, as far as the east is from the west, so far... Has he removed our transgressions from us? As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. Now, the word pities there is not what we would think of as, the, as well, I pity the guy, you know. Anybody remember Mr. T? I pity the fool. That's not what he's talking about. Not, that, that's not the kind of pity he's talking about. He, he's not feeling sorry for you. Okay? God is not feeling sorry for you. 
But here's what it says. He, he, as a father, pities his children. Now, let me ask you this. We got some fathers in the room here. How many of you feel sorry for your kids? Man, I feel sorry for my kids being my kids. <laughs> that, that's not what he's talking about. God's not feeling sorry for you because you're his kid. As a, as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who worship him. For, as, for he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. This word pities, actually, this word from the Hebrew, it's, it, this word says, by implication, to love or especially to be compassionate towards. So let's read it that way. Here's what it says if, if you read it with that definition in mind. As a father is compassionate towards his children. Now that sounds a little more understandable, right? That sounds a little better. As a father is compassionate towards his children. So the Lord is compassionate toward those who worship him. Praise God. He is compassionate towards those who worship him. Now this word compassion, it carries this idea in the in the English. I mean we, we already talked about the you know the, the Hebrew word there means compassion. But what you know sometimes sometimes you have to look up a definition of the definition. Anybody ever have to do that? You know? All right. He is compassionate towards you. This, com this word compassion, it refers to uh, sympathizing with someone or, or a compassion that is based on uh, extenuating circumstances. For instance, if a person were in the military and they had a uh, a, a, a close family member die. They might be granted compassion leave to go and, and, and be with family during that time. Or if they had a, a, a close family member that was, that was deathly ill, they might be granted compassion leave to go and be with that family member, to go and deal with that situation. So it was a... A, 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 a special favor that is shown towards a person because of an extenuating circumstance in their life. Now, if you went, you know, if, if you're in the military and you just say, I want to go home, well, you're probably not going to get granted leave to just go home just because you want to go home. But if there is an extenuating circumstance then you may be granted leave to go and to deal with that. And that would be compassion leave. All right? In, in the same way, notice this. In fact, if you'll look at the context of what we're reading here, as a father is compassionate towards his children, so the Lord is compassionate toward those who worship him. And then he tells us why. The reason, the extenuating circumstance that he's talking about here is he remembers, the, see this, this 
14th verse starts off with the word for. Now, we could put in the word because instead of the word for there. It would mean exactly the same thing. So we could say this, that he is compassionate towards his children. He's compassionate towards those who fear him because the reason he is is because he remembers that we are dust. In other words, God remembers where you came from. He remembers that you were created from the dust of the earth. He remembers. See, God remembers that you were born into a world that was a fallen world, a, a, a world that was in the state of sin, and the, the effect that sin was having on the world. God remembers that. He remembers that you are dust. He remembers what you have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. God is fully aware that... See, sometimes we think God don't know. Sometimes we think God has forgotten about all this. Sometimes we think God is, is, is not aware, but, but God, you know, but, you know, but Lord, you know, I don't think it's fair that Adam's sin was passed down to me. Now, that's a, that's a whole other sermon altogether. But let me just say this. God remembers that. He remembers that through one man... Sin entered into the world. God remembers that. Now, the extenuating circumstance that we are dust. God is compassionate toward. Why did God send Jesus in the first place? Because he remembered we're dust. He remembered that we couldn't help ourselves. He remembered that, that uh, unless he intervened, there was nothing we could do to help ourselves. God was fully aware of that, and he has not forgotten where you are. He, and, and sometimes we in, in uh, uh, church circles, sometimes we forget where people came from. Sometimes we're not even aware of where people came from. See, you don't know what the person next to you had to deal with this morning. Sometimes you are completely unaware what they had to deal with just to get here today. Sometimes you're unaware of what they faced last night. Sometimes you're unaware of what they laid awake last night thinking about. And what was going over in their mind and what struggles they were having and what challenges they were having. You don't know what another person is dealing with in their life. And sometimes we forget, but God doesn't forget. Sometimes we don't have compassion because we don't know. Sometimes we don't have compassion because we're a little hard-hearted sometimes. Hmm? You know, so sometimes, bless God, I made it, they can make it too. 
And we develop that kind of an attitude towards people sometimes. You see, I think a lot as a, as a pastor. I think about because, you know, I probably know more about people than in, in the congregation than, than most of you do. Just and and that's it's rightful that I do that as 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 the pastor. But uh, sometimes I know things, and sometimes I think about the the web that people have woven for themselves. And it didn't just happen because they made a bad decision yesterday. Sometimes people have woven a web. Of, of trouble in their life because I mean, it has been a years and years and years process that has been going on. And we sometimes expect people to just fix it all today. In fact, you know, we used to have this, this mentality in, 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 with people I was around. You know, growing up, that, well, if a person got saved, then their life is going to be just all fixed tomorrow. Anybody, your life was just all straightened out and every problem you ever had was just fixed, uh, you know, the day after you accepted Jesus? Probably not. I, I doubt that there's a person in this room that that's the case, but that's what we expected sometimes. You know, and th th I heard a sermon Many years ago, it's probably been 30 years ago, uh, I, probably longer than that, but I heard a sermon, and, and a man was talking about, his pastor was talking about people that, that they accept Jesus, they, they come to the Lord, they get born again, and then the next week, somebody sees them doing something they shouldn't be doing. And he said, this, well, I thought they got saved last week. And it would become so critical. And he said, that's like saying, you know, you, uh, a, a couple goes to the hospital and the wife gives birth to a, a brand new baby, brings that baby home. They're all excited. They call in all the relatives, you know, come see your new grandson, come see your new nephew, your new your new niece, whatever the case may be, and, you know, and everybody's excited about this, and, and everybody coming to the house to see the new baby and, and all of this. And then, you know, this, this takes place for, for, for a little while, and then kind of the, the new wears off of it, and mama's not sleeping and all this kind of stuff. But, uh, and then, um, then one day, the baby starts trying to walk. And the baby gets up. We've all seen the baby trying to, trying to walk for the first time. They're, 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 they're letting go for the first time, and they're all wobbly and, you know. And then they fall. And so this couple then, they pick up the phone, and they call all the relatives, and they say, you know, I'm so sorry we got you all built up over this, but I guess Junior wasn't born after all. Anybody, you're all looking at me like you, like you don't understand what I'm talking about. Nobody does that. Junior was born. 
And the person that we saw doing something they shouldn't be doing, they were born again. But because they needed to grow up in their Christian life, they needed, you know, the, the change process began the day they were born again. Just like this baby, you know, he's trying to walk for the first time, and just because he falls doesn't say, well, I guess he wasn't born. Well, just because he, th this person made a mistake, just because this person failed, just because this person still has some habits in their life, you know, that doesn't mean they weren't born again. But yet we want to say, well, they weren't born. The Lord remembers that we were dust. The Lord understands the web that people weave for themselves. You know, I was talking to... Uh, most of you know my friend Jerry Vaughn. He and I have had some uh, uh, pretty in-depth conversations uh, about some things. And, you know, Jerry challenges me all the time, and, and, and I, I try to do the same for him, you know. I don't want to be the only one challenged. But, uh, you know, I, we, we, we try to... to we try to encourage one another and confirm things for one another. And, you know, and Jerry and I were talking, we, we were in Venezuela, and he asked me the question. He said, what if, what if someone came to you and they said, well, I just, got, I just accepted Jesus, I just got saved, and I want to serve the Lord, but I've got three wives. I've been married three times, not married and divorced. I've, I'm, you know, I've got three wives. And I've got children by all three of them. And we all live together in one big happy home, and, and we're a big happy family, and, and, and we get along. We do, but, you know, he said, what do you tell that guy? Now, I'm not talking about the United States of America. That's illegal. But many countries, it's not illegal. And so, what do you tell this guy? If you tell him, here's what religion would say, well, you're going to have to leave two of them. You're going to have to kick two of them out. Do you really think that God would want him to abandon those other two wives? He said, I'll tell you what's going to happen if, if he does that. He's going, to, uh, he's going to pick the youngest one and the prettiest one to keep. And he's going to kick the other two out. What, but see, I, I say that today to, to, to say sometimes people have woven webs for themselves. You know, sometimes we've done things in our life that you just can't reverse just on a dime. Sometimes people have gotten themselves in situations that you just can't reverse. And so the Lord remembers that we are dust. Now, the Bible says God hates divorce. You know, I can take you to the chapter and verse and, and, and show you 
God hates divorce. But I was reading a, a, a book once that posed a question. You know, what if, what if a wife is getting beat up every night? What if she's got a violent husband who is coming home and beating her up every night? God is a father. Do you think Father God would rather, uh, what, what, would he, what would displease him more? Divorce or his daughter getting beat up? What, what would be more displeasing? You know, as an earthly father, I can't imagine that, that he would say, well, bless God, you're just going to have to stay with her. You know, and hope you survive. You know, I gotta imagine if my daughter were getting beat up every night, I would say, You get out of there as fast as you can. Daddy will be right there to take care of this. You see, where did I get that instinct? I didn't get that instinct from the devil. I didn't come up with that all on my own. That's an instinct that was implanted in me by God. Though God hates divorce, what he would hate more than divorce is for his, his daughter to get beat up every night. God remembers that we are dust and he remembers that we weave webs for ourselves sometimes that... that you know, had everything perfect, we wouldn't have got ourselves in that situation. But he knows that everything's not perfect. Praise God. Jesus came to deal with us and to help us where we are, not where we ought to be. And many preachers are preaching to people where they ought to be instead of where they are. He remembers that we are dust. And I've got to hurry. Oh my goodness, I barely got started. <laughs> the New American Standard version of Psalm 103, verse 13, says, Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. The word frame here, in the Hebrew, literally means the squeezing into shape. The squeezing into shape. God formed man or framed man from the dust of the earth. Praise God. So, get this. It, it, it is the picture of a potter taking the clay and forming it into a vessel. Praise God. And he's not just forming it just to have something to do. He's got a purpose for forming that vessel. He's creating a very specific vessel. You know, you wouldn't ask a potter and say, well, what are you making? Oh, I don't know, whatever it turns out to be. No, that's not what you, you wouldn't take, uh, you wouldn't ask a potter, what, what are you making? No, well, just 
We'll, we'll see when I get done what it looks like. No, he is forming it. He would be forming a vase or a water pot or a cup or a plate or a bowl or, you know, and he would have a specific purpose in mind for what he was doing. God remembers not only that we are made from dust. He doesn't only remember that he formed us from the dust of the earth. He also remembers why he formed us. Praise God. God is fully aware of what he created you to be. And the purpose that he has for you. He is mindful that he knows our frame. He knows what, how we were created, and he knows why we were created, and he knows the material that you were created from. Praise God. So not only, let me just say it this way, not only does God remember that he created us from the dust, but he remembers why he created us. Praise God. Praise God. Now, it's not the only thing God remembers. God also, He remembers His covenant. Now, God made a covenant. He's made covenants throughout the Scriptures. We find that God made various covenants. Today, we live under a covenant that is called what? The New Covenant. The new and better covenant. So, God remembers his covenant. In fact, when Noah came out of the ark, God put a rainbow in the sky. And he says, I put this rainbow in the sky. And he says, and when I look at the rainbow, he says, I would look at it to remember my covenant. In Revelation Chapter 4, we see a picture around the throne room of God. And in the throne room of God, the Bible says there is a rainbow. God didn't just put a rainbow in the sky, put a rainbow around his throne. And he says that the purpose of a rainbow is so that he looks on it to remember his covenant. Now, he looks on the rainbow and he remembers that he made a covenant with you through the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Praise God. Now there was an old covenant of law. There was an old covenant that said you have to perform and if you perform then I will bless you. But this new covenant of grace says Jesus performed and I'm blessing you. And God hasn't forgotten that because he's got a rainbow that reminds him of that continually. Praise God. Around the throne room of God. Now, here we find, how many, who, who knows how many colors in a rainbow? Seven. I heard it. Seven colors in a rainbow. How many know what the number of God is? Seven. Seven is the number of God. Seven is also the number of perfection, the number of completion. 
God created the heavens and the earth in six days, then he rested the seventh day, and then eight was a new beginning. So seven completed the week. Seven days in a week. Bible says that there are seven spirits of God. So seven is the number of God. He put seven colors in the rainbow to remind you of him, but to remind him of the covenant he made with you. He will not forget. Praise God. Praise God. And in Romans chapter 1, verse number 20, it says this, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. The rainbow is something that he made, and his attributes are clearly seen by the rainbow. The, the seven colors of the rainbow, a seven spirits of God, that go forth into all the earth. Praise God. This is God in his completeness. Praise God. Then it says, even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. Now, let me just say this. We're going to close this. I'm going to talk about something that God, there, see, God doesn't remember everything. How many, how many are glad God doesn't remember everything? So, what, is he getting old? It's got nothing to do with that. There are some things that God chooses. I, I like to say it this way. God's got selective memory. There are some things God chooses not to remember. Jeremiah Chapter 31, verse number 34 says, No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sins. I will remember no more. Their sins I will remember no more. Now, I like, whenever I see... the God say, I will. He is saying, this is my will. This is what I have chosen to do. Nobody twisted my arm. Nobody made me forget. I have chosen. I will not remember. In fact, the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. He rem you know, why did he do that? He removed it as far as the east is from the west. You know, he doesn't want you to remember it, but he doesn't want to remember it either. He has chosen not to remember your transgressions and your sins. Praise God. Hebrews chapter 8, he repeats it. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17, he repeats it again. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad about that? Praise. Now, see, sometimes we think God is Santa Claus. 
Sometimes we think God is making a list and checking it twice to find out who's naughty and nice. But let me just say this. Remember this. God is not Santa Claus. He is not making a list and checking it twice. The list does not exist. Praise God. Turn to your neighbor and say, the list does not exist. So that means I'm not on it. Hallelujah. The list doesn't exist. Praise God. Praise God. You know, I've said this before. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you probably don't. But there is a company that prints these evangelism tracks that you hand out to people. You know, you go out on the street and hand them a track to share the gospel with them. And there's a... And they're called chick tracks. Well, there was one of these chick tracks that that talks about this is your life, and it shows this. It depicts a, a man who died and went to heaven, and and he is there, and and he's before God in heaven, and a movie is being shown of his life, and in this movie, all of the things he's ever done wrong in his life are being put on display. For everyone to see. And he's embarrassed about all the things he's done. Oh, please don't show that. Please don't show that. Well, you know, that chick track, they all ought to be burned and never given to another person. Okay? Why is that? Because it's depicting something that is not true. There is no movie of your life that's going to be shown for all to see. The movie doesn't exist. The list does not exist. God said, if God said, I will remember your sins no more. That's what he meant. He didn't say, I'll forget about it till you get here and then I'm going to show everybody. That's not what he said. He said, your sins and your lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Period. That's the end of it. Hallelujah. You see... There is one thing that he wants to know. What have you done about Jesus? What have you done about Jesus? Did you accept what Jesus did? See, because everything God did, he did it through Jesus. He dealt with all your sins in Christ. Jesus became you on the cross. Praise God. And if you're here today... And you have never accepted what Jesus did. You've never accepted the fact that God has forgiven you and cleansed you, you, you know, by the blood of Jesus. And you've never accepted that. See, the way you activate that in your life. Here, here's the deal. The sin of the whole world was dealt with, not just Christians. The sin of the whole world was dealt with by the work of Jesus on the cross. Did you know it's possible for a forgiven man to go spend eternity in hell? Because he refused to receive the forgiveness? You know, just like it's possible for a, for a billionaire to starve to death. Because he refuses to go buy some food. In the same way, it's possible for a forgiven man 
and many will because they, you know, the, the billionaire that doesn't believe he's a billionaire, he doesn't believe that he had an inheritance that was left to him. So therefore, he starves to death. There, there are forgiven men walking by here every day. There are forgiven men every day that you go to, to work with. There are forgiven individuals every place that you go, every time you go to the supermarket, that will spend eternity in hell because they don't believe they've been forgiven. They don't believe that the blood of Jesus paid. This is why I hear people say, but you don't know what I did. I've done things so, so bad. You know, God could never forgive me. But the good news is, He did. He did. Jesus already paid for it. But if you don't believe it's paid for, it doesn't help you much. But today, I want to give you the opportunity, whether you're sitting in this room or whether you're watching this online, I want to give you the opportunity to accept what Jesus has done for you. In fact, I'm going to ask everyone in this room to pray this prayer with me. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So well, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. We're going to make a confession unto salvation. Praise God. To accept what Jesus has already... See, we're not even asking Him to do something. We're accepting what He's already done. Praise God. Praise God. God can never say no to what He's already done. How can anyone say no to what they've already done? So let's just all pray this together. Everyone in this room, please pray this with me. If you're watching online, just right where you're at, pray this with me. Say, God in heaven, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to pay for all of my sins remember that I'm dust. You remember where I came from, but you remember the purpose for which you created me. Therefore, you sent Jesus to pay for all of my sins. Today, I believe that you raised him from the dead so I could have new life. I choose Jesus to be my Lord, to be my Savior. From this day forward, I want to follow Jesus. I ask you, Lord, to begin to teach me to know you. I want to know you. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life and for saving me. Now, according to God's word, you are saved. Thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Word of Life Church, please visit us on the web at wolcarlsbad.com. Thank you and have a great week.